0: BovCast. This is the Bobcast, a podcast exploring Reformed theology through the works of Herman Bavinck. Hey,
1: everybody! Thanks again for joining us for another exciting episode of Bobcast. I'm Mark.
2: I'm Caleb.
0: And I'm Andrew. Today we begin chapter three of Herman Bovink's The
2: Wonderful Works of God,
0: talking about the subject of general revelation.
2: In chapter two, Bob Inc. had been reminding us that it's God that voluntarily reveals himself. Uh, it's God that makes himself known to man. And he does this by what we might call uh, two books, two ways. All right. The, the knowledge of God uh, doesn't come from within ourselves, it's not like a just completely innate, natural inner light. That makes us just think about it exactly. It has to be from God and revealed by God himself. There's no other way. But the question of the knowledge of God could be summed up like the Belgian Confession uh, article 2 says, God is known in two ways, two books first in the book of creation, which is also preservation and the government of the universe, and secondly in the book of the Holy Divine Word. So Bobbink now looks at man's knowledge of creation and the universe and all things in it. Bobbing makes the point that what we can and do know about created things is still entirely dependent on God. Uh, Man, in his uh, interaction and his engagement with the things of the world, uh, the objects around him, is something that God reveals to him.
0: and you see that right at the beginning of this chapter if it is true that man can have knowledge of god then this fact presupposes that god on his part voluntarily chose to make himself known to man in some way or other we've already hit on this in chapter two but here is the more detailed unpacking of even in creation, even in this general revelation, the things of this world, the things we see around us, they reveal something about God because God has chosen to reveal himself in those ways.
1: Right, he continues on in the, at the beginning of that next paragraph there, we cannot credit a knowledge of God to ourselves, to our own discovery, investigation, or reflection. In the earlier episodes, we kind of talked about man and science and philosophy and trying to pursue knowledge for knowledge's sake. We have to come from the humble position that God revealed himself to us. And it's nothing of our doing that we get to know and
2: have this relationship with our creator God. Yeah. I love how like right off the bat in this, this third paragraph, page 16, he he really gets at something quite substantial here. Pretty much the fact that with all this created things, everything around us, the universe all in it, Man was made to know it uh, in some capacity, and not just intellectually, but also uh, by experience. He says there, second sentence of the third paragraph, even though in the achievement of such knowledge, we are absolutely dependent on God, still at the time of the creation, he charged man with the task of subduing and having dominion over the whole earth. And not only that, he also equipped man for this task of subduing and having dominion. And he also gave man the interest to do this.
0: So we see here, not just the basis for the knowledge of God, but the basis for learning in general. Why do we desire to know things about the world? Why do we desire to study things? Why do we desire to have the sciences? Why do we desire to have the arts? Why do we seek to know and use and better understand this world? It's because God has implanted us with that desire in creation. He created us to do that.
2: Right. It's part of us being made in his image. I love the last two sentences here of that same paragraph. He starts off, uh, man stands above nature. Come back to that in a second. Uh, He can take the measure of natural phenomena, study them, and to a certain extent, he can artistically cause things to come into being. He can, so to speak, force nature to disclose herself and to discover her secrets. This is something like what Andrew was saying a moment ago. Man has a capacity to study, to research, to science. Scientifically engage with these things and also artistically create and express with these things as well. And I think we can make that a little more concrete. Uh, we're talking, man stands above nature in regards to how he engages with natural sciences like medicine, chemistry, astrophysics, the ability to, yes, study and research these things, to manufacture to weld materials, to craft, and to cook even.
1: (laughs) Right. The one thing, too, that we need to also think about is God created man to stand above the rest of nature. He, He gave us the cultural mandate. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 through 31. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant
2: And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And that's uh, what we might call, in our circles, the, the dominion mandate. Uh, it's the, it's the charge of ruling in this earth as uh, God's appointed caretakers of creation. In these ways, I think we we can understand that the knowledge of creation it isn't just an intellectual knowledge. It's it, it is a relational thing. How does man relate? to uh, creation around him. And in this, we we can have some kind of understanding of the things in the earth and how to use them, but only to an extent in which God is the one enabling us to understand those things. Um, and we can still also be wrong about what we think about creation, things about creation, what we think we know about it.
0: And there's limitations on this understanding. I mean, for everything we know, there's many, many, many things that we don't know. Like, look at science like look for instance at the field of medicine we've cured a lot of diseases things like polio diseases that used to kill all kinds of people or any kind of you know bacterial infection before antibiotics and yet look at all the things medically speaking we don't have cures for we don't have solutions for you know things like cancer we don't have a, a set cure for cancer other diseases other problems that there's really nothing we can do about at this point based on current knowledge. The deeper we get in, the the more we try to know, the more we do know. The more we find out we don't know, the more we realize the intricacy of God's universe and how beyond us it is and how much greater it is than our understanding can even comprehend and then how much more does that inspire us to praise god because we realize the universe with all its intricacies and all of the beauty within it all of the order within it and even then is only something that god has made God is far greater than even that.
2: And that that's just the thing. We uh have this limited capacity in how we can understand these things and that it's also our understanding of these things are fallible. There we can revise these things. I was thinking as you were speaking about what's called the Ptolemaic understanding of the universe, the idea of it, you know the earth is at the center of the universe of the solar system and the sun and everything else revolves around it. Uh and that that was for a long time uh the understanding of uh, the universe around us, um, and that was proven to be false. Uh, things can be revised and changed because we don't have a perfect understanding. I'd be curious to meet, a, you know, a secular scientist that would state that we can know everything. I, I don't think any secular scientists would would say that we we can get to the bottom of the knowledge of everything.
1: Right, and not only not only is there just this plethora of stuff that we can never even know. But they're all living and working together. I mean, Bavink here in this next paragraph goes into the difference between what, what it means to be mechanical and organic in nature. So not only is there this myriad of things that, that we cannot know, but everything is interconnected. Everything is living. And you know, we as humans, as finite beings, we like to compartmentalize everything right there. And he makes a good point there that, that to dismember life is to kill it. We in our finitude can only look through a very small microscope at the things that we're trying to understand. And
2: God is so much bigger than that. Right. And you mentioned uh, the living. That's a fascinating thing of how much really goes into that. We can test and observe scientifically, ponder and and, uh, interact with visible things. Uh, We can interact with rocks. Uh, We can do geology, um, archaeology, so on and so forth. But how much do we know about immaterial things, things like the mind, light, space, physics, time, uh, much less how much do we actually know about uh, what Bobbing says here at the top of uh, page 17, that second sentence, life, consciousness, feeling and perception, understanding and reason, desire and will. How much do we, can we really get at with all of this? Can we get to the depths, the, the very rock bottom of these immaterial things, honestly, these spiritual things?
0: Well, can we merely chalk them up to just electrical currents firing off in our brains? I mean, a lot of people would say that we could, but even then, it's just it's speculation. There's so little we know about how these things work. Like, where does our consciousness come from? Where does our communication come from? um i mean we know some things about even about the brain and how it works but a lot of that remains a mystery
2: yeah there's something uh, that that next uh that next paragraph of page 17 you know there's something about man that's just extraordinary you know we we can sit and ponder and consider rocks you know various aspects of uh, nature uh what makes a tree a tree how to use a tree and turn it into a piece of wood in a house or whatever but for living things maybe not just man but for living things as general it, it's a it is a mystery man though is uh just remarkable you know man has uh these expressions of uh feeling and desiring but there in that third sentence Bob Inc. says uh behind that manifestation Uh, lurks a mysterious life which has but a very imperfect and inadequate expression in its external form. Uh, Man can think something in his mind. He can have all these these feelings and these desires, all these thoughts, and at the same time, someone else sitting across the room from him can't exactly get at those thoughts, those feelings and desires. Uh, the, The person across the room can't always tell if someone is lying or, you know, is, is hiding the truth, hiding his true self, putting on a mask.
0: And that kind of information only comes out if that person chooses to reveal it. Mm-hmm. And what is happening here is bavink is he's sort of preparing this argument from the lesser to the greater. If this is how people are, if this is how man is, you know, there's only, things that can only be known about each of us if we choose to reveal it. How much more so with God?
1: uh as as he says in that next paragraph there at the bottom of page seventeen, except he lets himself be found, we cannot seek him, and that really sums it up. I mean, apart from God condescending, coming down to us and talking in baby speak, as we've talked about before, we would have no hope for relationship for knowledge of him, other than that that we see in Romans one, where because there's nature it implies a creator. But we can't have any kind of special knowledge of who that creator is without his condescension.
2: And that's just the thing. Like, But like both of you were saying, if we have a hard time telling the thoughts, intentions, and so on and so forth of the person across the room from us, how much more so than with God? The Belgian Confession article two, which we mentioned at the beginning of this, which which Bob Inc. has in mind here as he's writing all this, says that these things in the universe, these things before our eyes, Uh, Make us ponder the invisible things of God. Ultimately, they make us ponder his eternal power and his divinity.
0: Right, because God is invisible. If I see you in a room, I mean, as long as there's sufficient lighting and my sense of vision is functioning correctly, I can
1: see you. But we can't see God. It, it's like what we see in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question and answer number four, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So not not only is he spirit, he's all of these other things all the time to the most that they can be. Categorically, we we can't even relate to it. Categorically, we can't even relate to him. Right.
0: Not to keep beating the same old drum but it's that analogical knowledge it's that baby talk that God has to use to communicate himself to us
2: yeah and and Bob Vink's really driving that home at the end of page 17 uh, God reveals himself only to the extent that he wills to do so and only because he wills it there can be no such thing as an involuntary manifestation of God. It's all intentional. He chooses to reveal himself and he chooses the way in which he reveals himself and, and when. Like,
1: can you begin to feel the weight of that, really? That God chooses to have a relationship with us. You know, God chooses to have a relationship with Caleb Castro. It's so easy to just gloss that over. It's so easy to just, yeah, I have my relationship with... With, with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit and I love him and I'm trying to to you know live my life to to bring him glory and I'm trying to enjoy him forever but but the fact that God chose to even reveal himself um, there's a starting point there that we so often forget and that we so often take for granted and, it, and it's really nice here to be able to stop and take a step back and just look at all the grace that God has bestowed upon us.
2: I think uh, John Piper actually puts this in an interesting way where he considers the universe in a scientific manner. The vastness of the universe, the ever expansion that you can never really get to the end of the universe. You know, scientists say it's continuously expanding. We can't look into its depths. The universe in all its vastness and mysteriousness is so expansive, unfathomable, and it's an, an analogy for God. He says, and it's a bad one in that even then it it just pales in comparison to the majesty of God. And exactly to your point, Mark, that transcendent God, he nonetheless is also uh, made himself closer than a friend through Jesus Christ. And he shows himself in these things of nature to all creation, even when we suppress it. Right. And even
0: that intricacy that you speak of in the universe, every last... Micro molecule, every last movement of any of that, God orchestrates and subs and sustains and upholds all of that. That is how powerful our God is, and that is the God that relates to us. And it reminds me there is a connection between this providence of God, this sustaining of God over all creation, and His care for us. It reminds me of Heidelberg Catechism, Question Twenty Six: mm-hmm. What do you believe when you say, "I believe in God the Father Almighty"? creator of heaven and earth this of course expositing the apostles creed that the eternal father of our lord jesus christ who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence is my god and father for the sake of christ his son and then the second part what does that produce in us what what is our response To this fatherhood of God, I trust God so much that I do not doubt that he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good, whatever adversity he sends upon me in this veil of tears. He is able to do this because he is almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful
1: father. And that's all we have for this week's episode of Bobcast. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you learned a little something, and we hope you will join us next time as we explore more of the works of Herman Boving. Tot ziens. Well to Tot Zines.
0: Thank you for listening to Bobcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Bobcast. That's B-A-V-Cast. You can email us at Bobcast at gmail.com. Bobcast is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Visit reformedpodcast.com or subscribe to the Society of Reformed Podcasters feed. Music is City of God by Rudy Manrique. We hope you'll join us again next time. I'm